the United States bishops, as a body, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, are protecting Joe Biden. They are promoting Joe Biden. Why? Because they walk, lock, step with Francis. And Francis let everyone know without saying it, he's an Argentinian, he's a Jesuit, so he knows how to work with ambiguity. So there's a deniability, but he makes his point. And that's what he did with Joe Biden. He met with Joe Biden. According to Biden, he was told to keep receiving communion, that he was a good Catholic. The very next day, within hours of it, I jumped on here on my webcam and told you about how Biden had just gone to Mass in Rome, the Apostolic See, and received communions, communion from one of the priests in the Diocese of Rome. This was intentional, and this told the USCCB what to do. Same thing, just before all that was Nancy Pelosi also meeting with the Pope, the awkward handshake, whatever you think of it. Look, Francis met with two of the most pro-choice politicians that America has to offer. And he gave them his Argentinian wink, wink endorsement. You'll remember during the campaign, I showed how Biden was using clips of him in Rome, him with Francis as part of his campaign message. And you can't use those clips with the Pope without papal approval. So it's not just about protecting, it's about promoting Joe Biden. You know, everyone sort of snickers about the let's go Brandon thing, in case you didn't know. There was a sporting event and people in the stands are saying, beep, Joe Biden, beep, saying a profane word. And the lady journalist who's interviewing the athlete says, oh, wow, they're cheering you on. They're saying, let's go, Brandon, when clearly you can hear in the background, they're saying blank Joe Biden. And the whole idea of let's go, Brandon, has become a meme, a billboard of the media protecting Joe Biden. So everyone can hear with their ear, blank Joe Biden, blank Joe Biden, a condemnation, a disapproval, a frustration with him. And yet the media goes, oh, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. And sadly, that's what we're seeing with the United States bishops. The people are saying, wait, 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 wait. We read the catechism. We read the Baltimore catechism. We know that if you're in mortal sin or you're excommunicated, you're not supposed to present yourself for Holy Communion. We know that. So we're the people in the stand saying, what's up with Joe Biden? What? And then the bishops are saying, let's go, Brandon. Oh, they're saying, let's go. In other words, the bishops think that we're dummies, that we're stupid, and that they can twist it by issuing a document 
that passed by, I think it was 222 by against eight. Cardinal Mahoney of L.A., a full-fledged modernist, um, was there to give his take, and he was just so happy that pro-choice politicians who are Catholic were weighing in on the issue. And he basically said, yeah, it's impossible for Catholic teaching to have any sort of influence in the political realm, so why are we even trying as Catholics to even do anything about it? Let's just accept, this is basically what Mahoney's saying, let's just accept that we have lost the culture war, and uh, let's not hold anyone in public life or Catholics to doing anything that would protect the innocent in a court of natural law or the revealed Catholic religion. That's how pathetic it has become. And it's not just pathetic. It's not just weak men, cowardly men. Many of these prelates, these shepherds, these bishops, these overseers are malicious and are wicked. And they are, boom, 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 infiltrators performing an infiltration among us to destroy the church from within. They won't be able to because the Holy Ghost resides in the church, but they are going to try to. And they are going to try to take as many souls to hell as possible with themselves. And no, Bishop Barron is not correct. We don't dare to hope that all will be saved. Christ, our Lord, referring to Judas, said it would be better for him not to be born. That means he's not saved, my friends. The apocalypse talks about all the people cast into the lake of fire. Our Lord says, wide is the way that leads to perdition. Narrow is the way that leads to the blessedness of heaven. You see, I think the infiltrators want you to think that everybody goes to heaven. Why? Because then they can get away with stuff. If your conscience is dull and it's dead, then you're not worried about losing your soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And you know what? The English version approved by the bishops, I don't know if it still says it, used to say, what does it profit a man to lose his self and gain the world? No, Christ wasn't talking about losing yourself like an existential angst, like, I just don't know who I am anymore. No, he was talking about losing your soul, going to hell, perdition, eternal fire. All right, let's say a prayer. Let's do the Our Father and we'll get back into it. Oremus. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, Sanctificetur Nomen Tuum, Adveniat Regnum Tuum, Fiat Voluntas Tua, Sicut in Celo et in Terra. Panem Nostrum, Quotidianum da Nobis Odie, et Dimite Nobis Debita Nostra, Sicut et Nos Dimitimus Debitoribus Nostris, et Nenos Inducas in Tentationem, Se Libera Nosum Malo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Why do we pray? So we don't get discouraged. We have a Father in heaven who loves us and wants us to be saved, wants us to know the truth, wants us to become saints in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I know that when we talk about these things, it can be frustrating. We see the whole media cover-up of, let's go, Brandon, when in reality people are saying something else. We see the same thing with the bishops covering up. That's frustrating because, you know, we can kind of expect that to happen in the secular world. 
you know, United States of America, founded by a bunch of Freemasons. You know, it's not, although there is some natural law goodness mixed into the pot, it's not a Catholic Republic. It doesn't have Catholic origins, right? So we can kind of understand that, yeah, there's going to be compromise in that realm, in the state, the United States of America. But in the church, it's instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's safeguarded by the Holy Ghost. It is the vehicle. It is the ark of the new covenant. It is the safe place, or it should be. And then we see all these bishops, and we're like, well, yeah, I mean, one out of 12 of the apostles was Judas. He was bad. But the 11 were good. They went on to be saints. In 2021, we look around at the bishops and we say, is it one out of 12? Is it three out of 12? Six out of 12 are wicked? Nine out of 12? 11 out of 12? Where does that ratio take us? I got to admit, it's scary. It's frustrating. That's why I did research and I wrote a book about it. Do your own research. You might disagree with my research, but my research shows that going back in the 1800s and in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s especially, there was an infiltration into the priesthood, into the monasteries and the convents and the seminaries, and then eventually into the episcopate and into the cardinals. And I would argue even now, we now have an infiltration in the pontificate. That's where people go, whoa, Marshall. Whoa, whoa, bud. Look around. Look around. A president with papal approval who has presided over weddings contrary to natural law and promoted them. He has taken my money and your money and given it to planned parenthood. He has taken money that I have earned and you have earned to fund, publicly fund, the destruction of a human person, a violent destruction of a human person before they see the light of day, and sometimes after they see the light of day. And yet, this is the man who is called by Francis a good Catholic and keep on receiving Holy Communion. Now, I've made plenty of videos on the distinction of private sinners and public sinners and how St. Thomas Aquinas and even our Lord Jesus Christ gave communion to Judas because he was a private sinner. His sin was not known to the public. And according to Catholic moral teaching, in that case, with private sin, the priest does not deprive, if the person comes forward wrongly, does not provide, uh, uh, deprive them of Holy Communion. But it is very clear in the tradition. St. Thomas Aquinas, Bonaventure, Duns Scotus, the Council of Trent, Robert Bellarmine, especially in the person of St. Ambrose of Milan, who when the Emperor Theodosius, who had killed thousands of Thessalonians, was told, you cannot, not only can you not come to Mass, you can't receive communion, you can't come to Mass, you can't even enter the church, Emperor. 
I heard a good priest from the fraternity of St. Peter this past Sunday. He said, St. Ambrose told the world that the Roman emperor, the Christian Roman emperor, was not above the Catholic Church. He was in the Catholic Church. See, the emperor doesn't get special treatment. There's not a first-class ticket, a privileged path for the emperor or the president or the senator. They get the same requiem as the homeless man. And they get the same moral standards as the homeless man. As the illiterate person. See, baptism brings us into the sacramental economy and our access to the sacraments is all the same. And also we need to learn that the Pope is not over the Ten Commandments. The Pope is under the Ten Commandments. He doesn't get to sit above the Ten Commandments and remix. No. He's under the Ten Commandments just like you and I are under the Ten Commandments. I don't get to place myself over the Ten Commandments. We're under the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of humility there that we have to learn, that I have to learn. Just because you wear a white zucchetto or a white cassock doesn't place you over and all the, although the entire church is subject to the Roman pontiff, Vatican I, I believe it, the Pope himself is subject to scripture, tradition, the magisterium, Christ himself, for whom he stands as vicar. It seems that in our time, everything is flipped upside down and flipped sideways. It's all confused. And the bishops are simply following the lead of Francis. They know that Biden can walk into any church in Rome and receive communion by a papal fiat. Even though canon law, let me get out some canon law here, canon 915, this is Cardinal Burke's canon he's always talking about, I believe. Canon 915. Those who have been excommunicated or interdicted after the imposition or declaration of the penalty and others obstinately per, uh, persevering and manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion, end quote. Are not to be admitted. That means bishops and priests have the authority to say at the altar rail in a whisper, no foghorn needed here, uh, Mr. President, Senator so-and-so, uh, I can't receive, have you receive communion. Please talk to me after Mass in a way that's respectful. That's all that has to be done. And this is Canon 915. This is binding on all the bishops and the priests. You see, the priests and the bishops are not over this canon. They are under this canon. Let's get the whole hierarchy correct here. See, canon law binds the bishop so that he can't abuse his power. Canon law binds the priest so he can't abuse his power. Some of these bishops who are hirelings that are wolves in sheep's, clo sheep's clothing, they actually think that in their diocese they can change canon law. Just like they can change liturgies, they can add words, take words away, 
they can say, well, I've got a doctorate in canon law, so I'm just going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. So even though canon 915 says this, none of them are actually following it because they look at Francis and say, well, Francis doesn't do it, so I don't have to do it. And this is the abuse of Catholic hierarchy where the theology and the morality are cast out the window because of hierarchy, white zucchettos, red zucchettos, whatever that purple color is, zucchetto. I'm bad with my colors. I don't know what that is. It's like a purple color. Canon law is binding. And if you aren't following canon law, you're just a bishop in a zucchetto going, let's go, Brandon, and covering up what everyone else sees and hears. That's what you're doing. If you're enjoying this or learning something, please like it with a thumbs up. Share it on Facebook, a.k.a. Meta. Metaverse. See my show on that. And then subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button and hit that bell. And the bell will tell you, Marshall's live. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. It's a super frustrating situation. And I don't see the answer as obvious. You know, Father Ripperger was talking uh, last week. He was in exorcism. And one of the demons said that Christ is about to take away their power. I hope that's the case. Because it's looking pretty bad from a human point of view. When you see... I mean... There have been wicked emperors and wicked kings and wicked senators who claimed the name of Christ. And there have been wicked men who were called Pope so-and-so who were in office as vicar of Christ. Yes, we know that's the case. Just take a church history course. Every Catholic admits what I just said. There have been bad Catholic monarchs there have been cat, bad Catholic bishops and bad Catholic popes. There's even books written on the worst popes of all time. I've covered some of this difficult, uncomfortable church history. I have a whole online course, three online courses on church history. You can take those at newsaintthomas.com, newsaintthomas.com. Where I talk about, I go through church history from AD 33 all the way up into our own time. Vatican II, newsaintthomas.com. But I don't think there's ever been a time in church history where popes and bishops were frag flagrantly, did I say that right? Yeah. Dismissing canon law, dismissing traditional morality on teaching, like on adultery, contraception, abortion. Unnatural marriage. So much so, can you imagine any king or monarch or emperor who said, I'm a Catholic leader? From the time of when the Armenians as a nation converted, I think that was in AD 303, before Rome did, all the way up until 
the death of blessed Karl von Habsburg. Even the most wicked ones who would say, you know what, as a Catholic political leader, I am going to preside over an unnatural wedding. And yet Biden has done that. (laughs) Has there ever been a Catholic leader who said, you know what, I'm going to spend my effort and my time and my authority and my influence to make sure that it is the law of the land that innocent life can be ripped and sucked apart in the womb of his or her mother. I'm going to spend my time and my efforts to ensure that that's not only legal, but it is tax-funded. Has that ever happened in the history of the church? Something so flagrant. And yet Biden is the most powerful Catholic politician in the world, and he does do it. And the Pope, says he's the Pope, has nothing but love, nothing but love for you. Keep on receiving communion. You're a good Catholic. Keep on keeping on. Proud of you, boy. Wow. You know, it's almost like Francis does the exact opposite of what you would expect a Pope to do. Because the Pope, for those of you, I know there's a lot of non-Catholics who watch this channel. The Pope, we hold and we believe, is the successor of St. Peter. There were 12 apostles. Christ appointed one of them as the prince and leader, you could say the prime minister, of the apostles. And he appointed him not only to be the leader, but to have the supremacy, the jurisdiction, and to stand as his vicar on earth. And vicar in Latin is related, for example, a term you know in America as vice. Same idea. It's a stand-in. Vice president, when the president has surgery, which he just had, the vice president, in this case Kamala, is acting president while the president is away. The vicar of Christ stands in and helps govern the church on earth while Christ is at the right hand of the Father until he comes again. That's why when Christ comes again, you have no need for a papacy or a pope because the king is here. See, he's the vicar of the king. He's like the prime minister. He's the the royal steward. You can read all about that in Isaiah 22, how the Davidic kingdom had a, a royal steward, a prime minister who acted instead or in place of the king when the king was gone, like off to war. Also, Lord of the Rings has that whole idea of the steward and the king, return of the king. It's all there. Tolkien was a Catholic. He's getting that from this Bible, from Catholic theology. But how is it that he's the stand-in, he's the vicar, when he's doing stuff that's against the expressed teaching of the King, of Christ, of our Lord and Savior, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the Logos, the second person, the Trinity, the divine order, rationality, himself, divine wisdom. So this whole thing is, you know, Francis says, oh, clericalism's bad. Got to get rid of that clerical. You, respectfully, are the icon of clericalism. 
if you place yourself over canon law, over tradition, over scripture, over the church fathers, over your predecessors, all your predecessors did not condemn the death penalty, and yet you do, Francis. You place yourself over all, and that is clericalism to the nth degree. It is hyperclericalism. Wearing a white zucchetto and a white cassock does not place you over the Ten Commandments, and it does not place you over tradition or scripture. You don't get to have my magisterium. There's Christ's magisterium. But there's not my magisterium. There's no my priesthood or my episcopate or my papacy. All of these things the cleric participates in the priesthood of Christ. People are shocked when they read St. Thomas Aquinas' commentary on Hebrews, which you all should do. It's amazing. St. Thomas Aquinas, when he's talking about Hebrews, he says that there's only in the New Covenant, you might think this is Protestant, but it's not. Thomas Aquinas says in the New Covenant, there's really only one priest, not a multitude of priests. Whoa, 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 Marshall. I know lots of Catholic priests. Yeah, but listen, Thomas Aquinas is only one real priest, and that is Jesus Christ. And all the bishops and all the priests participate in the one priesthood of Christ, the priesthood of Melchizedek. And that's why we call them priests. And we show them honor because they're participating in that reality. But their priesthood is a participation in the priesthood of Christ. That's how Thomas Aquinas, the great theologian, explains priesthood. This is also why priests are celibate. I could go on and on about this. If you want to learn more about that, I have a whole class on the priesthood at, guess what? NewStThomas.com. Check it out. So that right there, what Thomas Aquinas teaches is the ultimate rebuttal of clericalism. It is the idea that any pope, cardinal, bishop, priest, and you could add the minor, the lower orders in there as well, deacon, subdeacon, on down to porter. All of those offices and orders are derived from the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, they are expected to conform to the sacrificial, loving, humble example of Jesus Christ, who was equal to the Father, but submitted to God the Father. That's good Christology. See, Arius, the heretic, didn't understand it. He didn't understand that Christ was submitting to the Father, but that didn't make Christ less than the Father. The second person in the Trinity, the first person in the Trinity, and the third person in the Trinity are consubstantial, co-equal, co-eternal. And yet, in this priestly ministry, the Son submits in obedience to the Father. How can that reality be echoed into time and in the church over decade and centuries if the Pope and the bishops and the priests are not submitting to the Father through Jesus Christ and are changing liturgies, changing morality, changing theology, changing or 
ignoring canon law. Yes, I know things get added, updated. I know that the traditional Latin Mass didn't float out of heaven in AD 33. When I say change, I mean make X turn into not X. So you have Pope Pius IX or Pope Pius Twelfth teaching about the moral, how the death penalty is morally licit and just in cases. It is righteous in certain cases, right? You can't then come back in 2019 or 2020 and say, no, it's not. See, by change, I mean making something say one thing and then say not that thing. Can't do that. That's clericalism. That's clericalism. Clericalism is not kissing the hand of a priest because his hands consecrate the Eucharist and absolve sinners. Clericalism is not making sure that priests have nice vestments to wear or fancy hats or linen albs. All those things are good. Clericalism is taking those offices and orders and using them to wield illicit power over people. That could be in the form of molestation and abuse, sexual abuse. It could be in the form of uh, robbing church funds, embezzlement. Could be in the form of taking money from widows, but then making Elton John rockumentaries, Rocket Man, buying player pads in London, luxury condos. That's clericalism. And then trying to whitewash it with a white zucchetto or a white cassock. That's that's clericalism. It's no good. And Biden, you know, I was talking to someone before the presidential election. And they said, you know, your job, Marshall, to become more important because as soon, if Biden wins, or rather if I could say, if Biden gets into office, let the reader understand, it's going to expose the Catholic bishops in America. And it's going to put tremendous pressure on Rome and the Pope because there's going to be uh, a naked emperor in the room, an emperor of no clothes on. There's going to be an elephant in the room. All of the contradictions of the modernist Catholic Church are going to be exposed because Joe Biden, in all of his modernist and liberal glory, is going to be standing there grinning with his shades on and his ice cream cone while all the bishops twiddle their thumbs and do nothing. And every layman and every Catholic in the world is going to watch it happen. And it's going, the, that very reality, this was back in 2000, uh, when was this, 19? They said if Biden wins, that reality is going to make your work more important and more obvious, and the infiltration won't just be like, uh, isn't that kind of like a, isn't that kind of like a conspiracy on YouTube? Doesn't that like Taylor Marshall guy talk about these conspiracies? Of We all know bishops are good guys. Well, two years later, 2021, Is it just people with tinfoil on their head talking about this? Or is it everybody? It's everybody. 
<laughs> everybody. Okay, maybe there are some Jesuits who just think this is all just jolly and awesome, and they're swishing around their apple teenies on the leopard skin couches, just so happy about it all. But everyone else is saying, man, pretty sure this is not my grandfather's Roman Catholicism. It's not Granny's Roman Catholicism. It's something different. Can you imagine? I know JFK was no saint, but he was the first Catholic president, right? Can you imagine? I mean, yes, he was doing naughty things. We know about it now and scandalous. But can you imagine if he was outwardly promoting the death of infants in the womb and he was marrying people in unnatural marriages, even in the pre- you know, or pre-Vatican II, but early 60s, that would be so scandalous. Women were still wearing veils and hats to mass at that time. He was living a, a two-faced life. But can you imagine if his public life was that manifestly against the Catholic teaching? And yet Biden is. And the bishops issue this weak weak sauce document that says nothing. It says nothing. You know, they acknowledge, the bishops acknowledge that only like, what, 30%, I heard different numbers, 30% of lay people actually believe that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ, the body and blood and soul and divinity of Christ. Only 30%. That is, that's such basic dogma for Catholics. That's like running, having a school district and you do an audit on the school district and you're like, hey, of your graduating seniors in 12th grade, only 30% know how to read. How pathetic are you in educating if only 30% can read? And yet in America, for whatever catechesis and preaching they're promoting, only 30% believe that it's not just bread or a symbol. That is a manifest failure. And you can't say, well, we're in a modern situation and we have televisions now and cars and we have phones and all these things so people don't know. For hundreds of years, there were illiterate peasants in Europe and in Syria and in North Africa and Egypt, illiterate peasants who had never read a book in their lives. And they went to liturgies, for the most part, that were not in their native tongue. Yeah, but they were early church tabernacle. No, oh, no. Even in Rome, from the time of Peter up until the mid-300s, probably around 370, 380, the liturgy was in Greek in Rome. And not everyone in Rome could speak Greek. Sorry. It was a lingua, lingua franca at the time. But yet these people, Joan of Arc, St. Joan of Arc, illiterate, she knew the Eucharist was the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. They were going to liturgies in Latin, Many of their prayers they learned in Latin, also in vernacular. But they knew 
that the Eucharist was Jesus Christ. So much so that when anyone came around and denied it, everyone gasped, this person's a heretic. They don't believe in the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. One of our earliest inscriptions that we have found from the second century testifies to the importance of the Eucharist. One of the earliest non-biblical documents, the letters of St. Ignatius, testifies to the belief that the consecrated bread and wine transform, transubstantiate into the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. And yet the bishops in 2021 have cultivated a church where only one-third of the people actually know that. And they all sort of look the other way. Let's go, Brandon. When Biden comes up for communion. People are saying, did you see the picture of Jeffrey Epstein and is it Gislaine Maxwell and the Pope? Yes, I saw it. I saw it. Photos don't, I mean, photos maybe let you see something, but photos I don't think necessarily incriminate. I'm sure there's a photo of me with somebody who's a criminal at some point in my life. doesn't mean I'm a criminal. There's a photo of me with Pope Francis. doesn't mean I'm a Super Francis fan. I do. I did think it's interesting that certain people, like Lefebvre, can't get an audience with John Paul II, but yet Jeffrey Epstein did. I don't like that, but I don't think it's necessarily incriminating. So, my challenge to those watching right now, the thousand that are watching live right now, and thank you for being here today. Please like the video if you don't mind. I appreciate you for liking the video and sharing it all over. You are my algorithm, and for subscribing. For all you watching, I'm going to challenge you. Has our church, the true church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that is built upon the rock of Peter, both his person and his confession of faith, the one true church, which is the mystical body of Christ. Has it been infiltrated? Is the infiltration real? It's a yes or no question. It's a binary question. I honestly, call me a bigot, I don't know. I honestly don't see how people can spend more than two hours reading about modern events in the Catholic Church in 2021 and say, nah, there's no infiltration. That's crazy. There's no infiltration. I honestly, and I know some of those people exist, so maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just so attached to my own thesis of infiltration. Maybe I'm just so attached. I can't see any other way. I'm willing to admit maybe that's the case. But the other part of me is like, I've spent so much time reading about it, talking about it, talking to people in Rome, researching the history. To me, 
it is a 99.9999999, just nines all the way around the room, conclusion that the Catholic Church, which is all good, holy, pure, apostolic, Catholic, Roman, universal, the, pre the body of Christ, the spouse of Christ, everything that's described about the church in the Bible and in tradition, all those things. How can this be real and this be real and this be real? And then also add in all the, the scandals and the sexual abuse and the financial abuse and then all the like heretical sermons all these things, and just say, nah, there ain't no infiltration, Marshall. You're crazy. Or my favorite, that Taylor Marshall guy, he just wants to like sell some books and stuff. Am I crazy? Do I just want to sell you a, a $20 book? Or is there a plot to destroy the church from within? It's real. It's real, people. And when you see 222 plus eight who are against. So 230 voting bishops sit in a room in a hotel in Baltimore and twiddle their thumbs and do nothing to address it. As far as I know, only Strickland stood up and voiced, Bishop Strickland of Tyre, Tyler, and voiced, hey, what about the scandal? What about the public scandal involved here? As far as I know, everybody just sat there twiddling their thumbs doing nothing. Infiltration is real, people. You don't even have to buy the book to know it. Just be awake. Just be alive in the Catholic Church in 2021. And you can smell the dumpster fire burning in our midst. And it's not Christ's fault. And the church is not impure. And the church is not ugly. The church has been infiltrated with a virus. There is a pandemic of heresy inside the body of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church will not die. The Catholic Church will not be cooperated, uh, co-opted. The Catholic Church will not lose. The gates of hell will not overcome and prevail against the Catholic Church. But there is disease infiltrating the body. And we, members of the body, need to activate... In synergy with the grace of Jesus Christ, we need to activate the immune system to identify and destroy the virus that is making us sick. God implanted an immune system in his church. And there was a time when Arianism, this horrible heresy that taught Christ was a cre creature, had infected the church over 51% of the bishops had been infected with this heresy. But there was an immune system that activated through the writing and the witness of great saints like St. Anthony of the Desert and St. Athanasius and uh, St. Gregory Nazianzus and St. Gregory Nyssa and St. Basil the Great and St. John Chrysostom and, and Augustine and Jerome and all these, these things got activated by the Holy Ghost. And then that disease of Arianism was purged and destroyed from the church. The same thing's happening now. It's just maybe you're the Athanasius. 
Maybe you are the St. Basil the Great. Maybe you are the saint that the Holy Ghost is activating to destroy the virus of heresy amongst us. It's a pandemic. A pandemic of heresy. All right. How do we do that? Well, it's not about complaining or getting depressed or worried. Our Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's about doing your job, your vocation as a Catholic, which means when you wake up in the morning, you pray. It means in the morning, you read that Bible. You read the lives of the saints. You read the lessons for Mass if you're not going to Mass. It means you pray the rosary every single day with your family. If you're a dad, you better be leading your kids and your wife in praying the rosary or you're just, you're messing up. You're messing up. I challenge you men. I challenge you to pray that rosary every day with your family. And if you're not with your family, you still pray it. You still pray it. Things happen, illness, travel, I understand. Don't beat yourself up if you miss it. Just get up the next day and rattle the beads. Get it done. By being saints, by living under the Ten Commandments, by following the example of Christ and the saints, admonishing the sinner, but also loving the sinner. Forgiveness, friendness, friendliness, hospitality, charity, assisting the poor, assisting the widow, assisting the discouraged and the depressed, visiting the imprisoned. You know, kind of as I say at the end of every show, which is just quoting Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world, and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty and be light. That, it's not that complicated. Christ says my yoke is easy. That's how you activate. The Holy Ghost through you activates the immune system in the church. And who knows how it's going to work itself out. Because we haven't had this virus yet. This is the virus of modernism. It's been in the church for about 100 years don't worry, the immune system will beat it. But you have to be open to the Holy Ghost to be activated to be part of that immune system in the body of Christ. Make sense? Good. All right, before we pray our Hail Mary, I would just like to say thank you to all the Patreons. Patreons are people who donate to this podcast. And I give thank you gifts. I do giveaways of rosaries and of Summa Theologiae and my books. Um, at certain levels, I'll send you autographed copies of my book. I'll send you a signed copy of Infiltration if you want, the different levels, different support levels. Everyone who supports, just I say thank you. And I and my family, we pray for you in our rosaries uh, in the evenings. Actually, I pray for everyone watching, all readers and watchers and listeners. Um, but that's kind of my special community of people I listen to. I actually get show ideas from Patreon people um, and can communicate with you. So that's sort of the inner circle that surrounds the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. So if you want to be part of that inner circle and help support, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall to learn more and perhaps join that team. Also, I've been hearing more and more from people saying, 
I don't have a Latin mass. I don't have a good parish. I don't have a good community. This is no good. I have kids. I have a spouse. What am I going to do? And I say, you can either try to start one on your own, hard, easier way, move. I call it the great Catholic migration. I've been writing about it since 2013. The great Catholic migration are people who say, you know what? We're going to move where there's a good parish, good priest, good families, and we're going to be part of a thriving Catholic community. I can recommend a number of places. I recommend Dallas-Fort Worth. I recommend Kansas City. I recommend Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, other places. Um, if you're one of those people who wants to sell your house and move to another place, I've partnered up with Real Estate for Life, realestateforlife.org. And they'll put you in contact with a, a pro-life real estate person who um, shares your values and can help you sell a house, buy a house, relocate, answer your questions, etc. So go to realestateforlife.org. And when you do, and it says, how'd you learn about it? Click the little button that says, Dr. Taylor Marshall's show. We would all appreciate that. Make sure you pray in your rosary every day. Go to confession every two to four weeks. Catechize your kids. Traditionally, I recommend using the Baltimore Catechism. Use that, And then you should probably read the Baltimore Catechism. And then you should also read the Catechism of the Council of Trent. And then just be kind and friendly and leave nice tips and uh, smile a lot and be salt and light in the world. And you'd be surprised about the people who now want to talk to you about your life. And ultimately, they'll find out it's about your connection to God through Jesus Christ. All right. Let's say a Hail Mary. Oremus. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et or mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidei et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for watching today. Again, the answer to this is for you to be a saint, to stay in the church, to stay in the sacraments, to stay close to the sacred heart of Jesus. Hey, friends, I don't know what happened. Somehow lost the uh, stream, but then it let me back on. Never seen that happen before. Uh, even forgot what I was saying, but we'll just sign off with that. So, um, oh, I was saying that I don't think it's going to come from the bishops. So, um, I think we need to be humble and say, maybe it's not going to come for me either because I'm a broken vessel. I'm a sinner too. But I think we can try by living the normative Catholic means in a normative Catholic community as best as we can to be salt and light. So with that, I'll sign off with, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. Be light. Till next time. God bless and God speed. Make sure you like, share, subscribe.